G'day, boys. Welcome to the Coach and Tex. Thank God that this compromise season is done and dusted. <laughs> I am so excited about the fact that we're going to be talking about racing and spring carnival and have we got a guest tonight. How are you, boys? Oh, very, very well. Tex, how are you going, buddy? I'm well, boys, and I have one word for you guys. Montefilia. <laughs> yes. I've got three, mate. I want to give you a virtual hug. <laughs> How are you, boys? All right? Yeah, Doing you're going well. okay? Doing well. Talktober's going well. And I'm very impressed with your activity, particularly the two of you. It's uh, it's an interesting time of year, isn't it? But um, footy's gone, spring carnival's about to land, and we're all getting around each other. Something big is landing tonight, isn't it, uh, Zoran? Oh, mate, we are so excited. We've got, we've got a, a genuine... A racing A-lister to join us um, this evening, and um, got a whole bit to do with him. Uh, so looking forward to that. We'll um, we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, mate. But um, speaking of of coming together and virtual hugs and all the rest of it, the only way you can do that is if you're fully vaccinated, mate. Um, the public health order is out. Dictator Dan has has put that in place, and as much as what we said there were going to be no politics, he didn't let us down in between the last time and this time. He's now issued the edict. You basically can do fuck all unless you're vaccinated, mate. In fact, I was a bit scared going to do a shit the other night, mate. <laughs> well, well, we started off beautifully. I, I, Shane, we were just saying in the pre-production meeting that you missed, um, 25 pages of uh, documentation has come out today that we're just wading our way through. Directions advice. Wow. Good luck with that, you two. There's a few people who'd like to give him some directions. Let me give you the tip, mate. Like walk off the pier would be one. Uh, Well, I think it's uh, VUFU, Vax up or you can work the rest out. Yes. Yes. Well, look, I mean, at least now, I mean, it is funny, mate. I mean, uh, I do feel a little bit sorry for the Melbourne supporters. A, they didn't get to watch their team win it. And then the celebrations basically last for about three days and then everyone moves on, right? We're into um, trades and um, the draft and forget about all that. Now Spring Carnival and we're talking about the Ashes and um, there's a bit, bit going on in um, women's, women's football as in the world game as well. Did, um, a few stories broke over the last, last few weeks about a whole bunch of things, right? I didn't even know what grooming meant. I thought that was when you got yourself all ready to go out for the night. But it, it's got other connotations um, by the sounds of it. Well, pleasingly, the Ashes are now confirmed. The Poms are coming out to play Test cricket in uh, in December. And what about the big news of the week? The big footy news of the week, Turtle. Have you Tex. caught up with it? Uh, um, no, mate. Do, Shane. Do... The re-signing of the great Mr. Six Acres. Six Acres, yes, oh, to 2024, I believe. Well, that, that gives gives me a lot of comfort down at Tigerland, Texas, you would know. I'm, I'm, I'm right up there in, in his fan club. So while he's coaching, uh, we know that the, um, the, the, barren, the, the barren places that Geelong supporters are going to be for a couple more years at least then, mate. It's, it's interesting... Um... When you look at trades and you know people being extended, and Chris Scott was, I guess, the headline act. But equally, there's a lot of players who are requesting trades. I wonder how hard it would be if you request a trade and you don't get one. <laughs> Bit like saying I'll resign and they don't accept your resignation. It's um... yeah. We're interested with Tom McDonald from Melbourne last year. This time last year, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if we really want you, mate. So you might have a look around, and anyway, it doesn't happen. And here he is. 12 months later, or just less, and uh, he's a premiership player. So Mar- he's part of the game now, the guys. I think it's just they just expect it. It's not an issue anymore. Marbia Charles gone, and Coleman Jones is gone, and we've yeah. picked up Lipinski. It's all happening. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a big, big get for you, mate. Big get. big get for you, mate. Mm. Hey, speaking of hey, hey, it's Saturday, but it was on a Sunday. Oh. So Turtle TV um, doesn't have a segment this week because we're jam-packed with our interviewee, but um, I'll tell you what, mate, uh, that's three hours of television. You're never getting back again. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Didn't bother. Dribble. Oh, no. No good, mate. Jackie McDonald, Molly Meldrum, the old cut. 70, 80 years old, probably even 90. Like, why bother? 
Yeah. Because it's appreciating people who do good, Shane. The last time um, old well, Blackman did that. Was he on there, mate? John Blackman? Yeah. Uh, don't mock him, mate. He's going through a tough time at the minute. He, he? didn't. No, no, truly. He had a melanoma. Now, he, he had a melanoma on his chin and he's basically lost a fair amount of his jaw. He looks he looks really quite deformed, actually. Was he on the program? Yeah, he came on live with um, uh, Wilbur Wild. Oh, Willie. Wilbur Wild. No, I was oh. I, no, no, I was thinking the last half decent show that um Johnny Blackman did was down at um Cape Shank a few years ago for um oh. for CSR at one of our golf days. Long time ago, mate. Long yeah, that's time what I'm ago. saying. He's been in a dry spell, mate. Um, mm. no good that show. No good at all. And what I will do though, mate, is on our final Christmas episode, I will come up with a Turtle TV special about a top five for programs that you'd want to do. Exactly what they did with Hey Hey. Bring it back for a one-off special. I mean, can't wait. Yeah, can't no, wait. it sounds like it. Is that more exciting like than Christmas itself? Hey, I'm sure. Um, speaking of um, controversial, did did either of you see any of the Wilder Fury heavyweight battle? No, I didn't. No. no. What about the the whole hullabaloo around the way these blokes have laid into one another, um, and the whole stuff around CTE, and obviously the Murray Wiedemann stuff broke here over the weekend and all of that. Do you have a view? About no. Murray Wiedemann's, about Murray Wiedemann's uh, issues himself? Well, yeah, and, and, and I guess this whole concept of boxing and, and what it actually, uh, you know, the fact that it's still legal when all this stuff's actually going on. Oh, I'm, to be honest, I'm not close enough to know and, and test the science and all of that. Shano, that'd be in your wheelhouse, would it? No, not really, but, you know, we know that, you know, the damage, the... Uh, not just concussion, but impact on the brain it has over a long period of time. You don't actually have to get concussion. So, um, yeah, boxing, as we know, has been around for a long, long time. Um, it's sure to have an impact on people. So do they ban it? If they ban that, does that then flow into other sports that there are head injuries like the NFL, for example? Um, you know, do they ban that? Do they stop the sport altogether? I think money comes into play and money's too big. And the choice of the of the player, the athlete himself, is if he wants to play, they'll play. Mm. They'll do as much as they can. So I think in the NFL in America, and Zoran, you might be across this, that I think it's a bit of a 50-50 split. Well, do the helmets of the NFL players where actually help them or hinder them in their actually process in playing the game? Well, that can be a weapon, as you know, with some of those, um, because they've, they've put things in place for, mm. um, I guess, so you can't actually use it as a bit of a weapon. But anyway, I just thought, because there was a bit of, Hoo-ha, but I, I did, after having a look at the, um, I was feeling pretty bad about myself in terms of the last 18 months in in isolation, basically, Shano. But then I saw um, Tyson Fury and I thought, actually, I'm in reasonable shape. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just. Anyway, um, moving right along. Any, any, any snippets of interest at all in what's been going on with the footy? As I said, Melbourne, uh, Gonski, there's a, a, a low, as in they've had no time to to celebrate. I mean, the only thing that's carried on as far as I'm concerned, Tex, and I know you've got a view on this, is the delusional state of the Carlton Football Club. Uh, it, just, was, it just continues, mate. It is the gift that keeps on giving. I was just... we People think we're joking about this. They they now labelled themselves as a destination club. An they employer talk, of choice. Yeah, Did I you mean... Did see that? They... they we could go on forever about them, but have I missed the footy? No, because Carlton keep giving us material as if we're still in season. Um, they're, they're, a, they're a joke, and they'll they'll provide much more entertainment over the summer, as I think Gold Coast will when they start playing again. <laughs> will they stop this trade period? Will they just get rid of this or shorten it up to three days and just stop yeah. the stop the crap that goes on for nearly two weeks? All the action happens in the last two hours anyway. Well, they don't even think it's going to happen tomorrow now. Yeah, well, There'll be just nothing. It'll fizz out. I know we haven't told you yet, mate, but we, we thought we might do a short burst, 15-minute post-trade um, <laughs> episode tomorrow night straight afterwards, mate. Good chat. <laughs> see you in, see you in December. Yeah, see my man- speak to my manager, will you? Now, we, 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 we can't waste any more time. We have got a coup, I think. As in C O U P. Go uh, hard or go home. That, that, that's it. Just a couple of gold medals. ZM. Gold medals. ZM. No, we are so excited. Tricky Ricky McIntosh is joining us on our episode. And we and I think he's 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 asking to be let into the room, mate. 
So um, let's move on. But Bring it on. Bring if, it on. But we are looking for feedback from our listeners. And Shano, where do they go? That's my coaching text. Carry on, us. Magnificent. Well, we, uh, as we come to the end of the footy season and we wonder what we do with ourselves. Some of us get very wound up about our racing. And tonight, we have a very, very special guest. Um, it is with great pleasure, by popular demand, that we welcome the great Rick McIntosh to the program. Rick, welcome to the Coach and Tex. Welcome, uh, Troy. Thanks for setting the scene. Your show is obviously full of uh, SH. Something else. <laughs> That's good. That's a good start. <laughs> Pleased to be with you, lads. He's worked us out already. He's going very early. We we actually don't do a whole heap of footy, mate. Oh, sorry. Uh, we, we do a heap of footy, but when we get to this time of the year, we thought it would be highly appropriate to um, to launch the, the Spring Racing Carnival with one of one of the industry's own. Um, so, so having you, you on board. So you weren't ringing me. Oh, I've got that wrong. So you weren't ringing me for me 200 games of footy, 190 in the reserves. Up here, <laughs> no, oh. that's okay. Well, hello, that's okay. no, no, we'll get some of that, we'll get to that as well. Though, um, if there's country footy legends involved as well, then absolutely. Well, well he's we... a premiership player. No, we'll I hope stick you realize to, uh... that with United, he's a premiership player, guys. Come on, yeah, no, respect, we'll to, respect uh, we'll his performance. The races, I think. <laughs> well, I tell you what, at this rate, Rick, we'll get you back on a fortnightly basis. We might offer you a contract. <laughs> you told me earlier off air that the pay was no good, so. I don't know whether I'll be up for that, uh, Troy. <laughs> you, you'll be able to write your own ticket, mate. Now, look before we uh, before we get into your story and your journey and everything you're good at, um, tell us a bit about how COVID has affected you, if at all. Um, I don't know you've had some news today, but just in general, how have you found the whole COVID stuff? How's it impacted you and your work and your life? Look, not too bad. I've got um, apart from today. Um, that's a, that's another story I, I don't really wish to go into, but it was a, it was a, if you're listening to Kyneton today, expecting to me, me to be calling, that was a, uh, uh, a COVID exposure that, uh, caused me to be a late scratching. So today, not so good. Um, but look, it hasn't been too bad for me. I've, I've, I've had a job. Um, it, it hasn't been great fun at the races with nobody there. Yep. Thank God for Warnable where, where, where we had a crowd. So, you know, that's been, it's been tough to work, you know, cup days with no people and, and all that kind of thing. It's, it's not easy, but I mean, that's a small price to pay. I've still been able to go to work, enjoy my job. Um, I have elderly parents, so that's, that has had some challenges. And I've also got a tribe of kids to a, um, <laughs> who have multiple mums. Uh, so that's, that's been another, uh, that that's been another tough thing, sort of fitting that, fitting them in because they're all a, a big part of my life. But um, I thought I was doing pretty well, and I'd been able to juggle everything around, and I dodged every bullet that race in Victoria would, and more that that anybody could have asked. But yeah, it's it's getting a bit close to home now up here in the country. And as I said, I hit a snag today, and um, you know, it's you know, hopefully when my negative test comes back tomorrow, it's it's not going to be the end of the world, but. Um, look, it's been a challenging time, but I guess to be, you know, to cut the story short, my challenges have been small compared to what some people have had to deal with, you know, i.e. losing, you know, seeing their businesses go half under and, and stuff like that. So, um, all in all, not too bad, um, despite a tough day today, Troy. <laughs> and, and mate, oh, I've got, I, I could just go on all night and just Rick and I could keep going, but the other boys are going to jump in if they're following the run sheet. Um, but just on the kids, Rick, h- how old are they? Is any budding race callers, anyone going to follow in your footsteps? Oh, look, I, uh, in a way, you sort of, um, in a funny sort of way, you hope um, that there would be one. Yeah. Um, just because it's such an intricate uh, profession and I have so much knowledge about it to pass on. I was, 
I was lucky enough to uh, be mentored by the late Brian Blackmore, who was mentored by the late great Bill Collins. So not many people have got access to that knowledge when I came in. And I've been able to pass it along to a lot of people. I mean, even Matt Hill was calling in a spare box when I was doing Mooney Valley Trots. Um, not that I've had that much of an influence on his career, but um, more just the, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of knowledge there and, you, and, I, and I, it's a real passion. I've taught a lot of young kids to call races and um, and, and some of them have gone on to good things and, and, and some of them just, just do it part-time. But the um, so, so, to, so to help your own kid with that would be amazing, but... Look, racing is a tough lifestyle and it does um, suck the life out of you a little bit. Um, and so for that reason, you sort of it sort of makes you think, well, you know, they've all got to do their own stuff, don't they? But um, rather than following, following my footsteps. But, but, yeah, in a funny way, it would be all right. Now, my oldest is 25 and he's no chance. Yep. Um, <laughs> he's... Uh, He's into physical fitness. He was a really good cage fighter as a 20-year-old and he decided that you didn't get paid enough money to get your head rearranged, even though he was pretty good at it. So he's um, still into fitness and PTs and does a bit of physical labour work to, to balance that out. Um, he takes after his mother then? Yeah, 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 probably. Um, and then sort of goes down to... Um, uh, uh, his sister, who's 18 um, tomorrow. Um, and then I've got two other boys who are um, 12 and 11, and they both live in Melbourne. Um, one of them has no... The youngest one has no interest in racing. The other one is fastidious football follower, cricket follower, sports statistician mad, does like the races, um, hasn't really showed... Um, he likes it. He hasn't shown much ability calling the horses around the bloody mat here. But, um, <laughs> but it's still probably a bit early to tell and he's got a good gist of the racing. He's some chance. And um, my youngest one's well and truly jury out and he's a boy too. So I haven't got many uh, and I'm not having any more. So. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that. I was going to say. Quite you, stable. You, you've got a field of five, mate. No third dividend paying on a field of five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I've, I've probably only got a couple of chances left and they may not, uh, they may not eventuate anything, and, but that might not be the end of the world to it. Go on, Shane. I was going to say, so Rick, what age were you when you were interested in race calling? And I think, Zoran was about to ask the same thing. So, yeah, was it 12, 13? Was it 18? Like, how'd you get into it? Look, I was calling Lego horses around the map um, when I was four years of age, if you'd listened to my mother. Uh, I then went on to... Um, I'm worried my video's in trouble. Anyway, that's another story. Um, the, my mother said, um, and I can recall it, I used to sit in a beanbag behind a rocking horse with a bit of hay band around its neck so because I was pretending I was a trotting driver and yeah. cut a bit of bamboo off a bamboo tree and take the paint off the uh, the little rocking horse while I was calling, <laughs> while I was calling the races. So that was quite a young age too. So yeah. that was that was pretty young. And then um, it probably developed into, into school aids where I'd, you know, call anything, call anything. I'd be calling footy training, footy games in the game while I was playing in and I'd uh, punch somebody in the mouth in the schoolyard just to stand back and call the fights that erupted and, uh, <laughs> and um, sort of 14 or 15 sitting in the grandstand at Kangaroo Flat calling the footy and then got an opportunity at about 14 to, to call the trotting trials and started there and um, from the minute I did it, that's what I wanted to do and I, and I just um, I just went from there but by the time I was you know, I was 17, I couldn't drive. I was, um, you know, I, I had a bit of a, a, a non-tab trials run going and um, and 3UZ virtually said to me, I went, I called my first race on air when I was 17 with Brian Black from the Wedderburn Trots and 3UZ said the minute you get your licence, you're, uh, you're on the casual staff. So, wow. But, um, that, uh, I, was, I was away then, you know, and it's it's been a slow journey and it's had, ups and downs along the way but um 
but yeah, that's how it uh, that's how it took off. And it, it was pretty funny because I was I was I was in the box at the trots one night with Brian Blackmore, and I said, "I need you to help me. I'm 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 going to be a race call." I was just that was it, you know. And um, oh, he said, oh, "Are you now?" You know, he was very, uh, "Are you now?" Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's that easy, you know. And um, I, I picked his brains a bit, and then um, down the track, I, I took a tape recorder in and played him a tape. And you know, remember how I said to you I was going to be a race caller and played the tape, and, and he nearly fell off his stool. Oh, you you are going to be a race caller. It was like he didn't believe me, but um, when he heard the tape, he believed me. So. Probably put a fair bit more effort in after that, and um, yeah, I just I just followed the journey and and yeah, plenty of ups and downs, and um, and and I'm 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 about to turn fifty one, and it's been my career all my life, and um, I, I hope I got uh, ten years left. So so how does that actually evolve, Rick? So um, when did you actually start at Sky? And I guess Sky was called something else before that was Sky. How how did that all? Um, Traverse, if you like, over the journey from, no, and it's it was, obviously it kept was, you gamefully employed. It was three years ed then. So when I was eighteen, they said, "Well, righto, you're um, you're 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 on the casual staff." So it wasn't long after that I got Bendigo Dogs on a Monday night, and I used to call them. And then I probably had to do my own bit. So there was enough non-tabs on a Saturday that I could call, uh, get a meeting every Saturday, and then I'd call the trials on the Sunday, um, and. Um, and then if they needed me to fill in at a trot or a gallop meeting through the week or another dog meeting, I would. And um, and, I, and, I, and I basically just sort of went from there, you know. The, I just never said no to a gig and and got along the uh, and got along the journey from there. And then when I was about 24, um, Harness Racing Victoria went to their own callers, so they employed Dan Malecki to be number one, and um, and they wanted to. They only had enough meetings then for two callers, and they wanted a number two, and they offered me the job, and I took it. And about four years later, that ended in absolute tears, and I ended up, um, I ended up getting the arse, if I'm allowed to use that term on this uh, podcast. Oh, um, very, we're very X-rated here, mate. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got the arse in a in a cloud of controversy, and I was pretty much finished, and I was working on a farm. Um, so I was probably 29. Then I was working on a farm and um, Channel 10 came and wanted me to call the Bendigo Cup and Channel 10 were based, had a Bendigo base then and I knew all the guys and everything pretty well. I'd called all the interleague footy, country interleague footy for Channel 10. I'd called about six or seven Bendigo footy league grand finals for Channel 10 and um, Winton Championships, and I'd done, a lot of, I'd done the Benio 10,000 Carnival for them. I'd done a lot of that sport for them. Never went down that passage because the race calling was more specialised and that was where my future was. So they wanted me to call the Bendigo Cup for Channel 10 and I didn't sort of say yes straight away because I thought I'm, I'm done here. You know, I'm, I, I didn't know whether I was going to work again at the time. I hadn't called a race meeting for six months and I was still doing Bendigo thoroughbred trials is about the only gig I had and then uh, Alan Besley who was a, a doyen at Channel 10 sort of twisted my arm and to, to do the cup for for Channel 10 and I went and got laser, I had crook eyes which was always a, which always had me uh, shying away from the gallops because the colours are so smaller and they're so further away from you but I, I spent 5000 and went and got laser surgery especially to call that Bendigo Cup in 2000 for, for Channel 10. And being a Bendigo boy, you know, I got my head around it pretty good. And then, um, you know, I, I worked that day and I had to call four races for Channel 10, including the Cup, and I got paid as much for that day as what I was earning on slaving my guts out on this bloody farm um, for a week. And I thought, hang on a minute, um, <laughs> this might be all right. If I could get a bit more of this, this is me go, but no one's going to, no one's going to, um, how am I going to get a gig? You know, I'm, I'm bloody finished. And then um, the day after the Bendigo Cup, Channel 10 rang me up and said, well, you better do Ballarat next week as well. They must have had it in their head all the way along. And I said, of course I will. Yeah. And it was pretty challenging. I was calling, uh, there was no third callers box at Ballarat, so I was calling on the roof um, at the grandstand. It was bloody, it was pretty hairy, I tell you. But um, 
I'd done that and then the phone started ringing after that. Non-cave club started ringing me back and I said, you're making a comeback. And I said, yeah, I, I guess I am. When do you want me? And I, started, <laughs> I, um, I was into it pretty quick and um, I probably went just calling casual for him and then I got a bit of a deal where I was calling um, specifically just on a Sunday for three years. Yet. So I'd go to Cassett and all Muldura, the faraway places on a Sunday. And... Um, and then in 2004, I went to, I was very lucky. I got a, I got a gig in the Philippines calling the Manila Derby. Oh, wow. And um, I was very lucky. Um, it was on when the Cox Plate was on. And the boss of, of uh, Philippines Racing was, was out here trying to get a race caller to go to, um, to, go to the Philippines. And uh, it was the first carnival they are going to have on uh, Fox UK. And they needed an English-speaking caller because their two English-speaking callers were horrible. And uh, he was out here searching, and of course he asked uh, BM, and he asked Greg Miles, because they were calling the Cox Plate. And he was at he 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 just come up with donuts, this bloke. And then um, he was at a sale, and he was with Robert Smurden. <coughs> and um, <coughs> Robert Smurden said, "Excuse me, I've got to go and watch this uh, horse race at Donald." So the bloke tagged along, and they watched the screen at the sale, and they're watching this race at Donald. And, and after the race, the bloke said, who was that caller? And um, and Robert said, oh, dude, somebody, uh, McIntosh, he he's a bush hack, you know. And the bloke said, who would he call a Cox Plate for? And Robert Robert said, McIntosh call a Cox Plate? It's a bush bloody hack. He wouldn't call a Cox Plate for anyone. So he said, how yeah, would I get his number? And Robert said, there it is. So <laughs> the bloke rings me up and I get to go to, um, I, I get this bloody all expenses trip to, to, to Manila and, um, and I called over there and the, the deal was um, that I was going to, um, I was meant to take over from Blackmore by then actually and I sort of had, he was just using up his annual leave and I had in the way that I'd, I was doing the role as the main voice of country racing in Victoria, but he still owned the role, even though I was doing it, because he, he didn't want to travel more than an hour and he was pulling sickies and he was just hanging on for, it went on for over a year, you know. And um, when I was over there, I had a wow of a time and they offered me a job uh, to come back and run a race calling scholarship, you know, with the oh. idea of, say, starting off with, um, you know, 25 Filipino kids and over the course of a year just keep whittling down there you got two at the end of the year that that could make it and then and then I, and then leave um hmm. and it was a lot of money and no tax and I thought you know I'm early 30s this this is a good this might be get me going again you know because <laughs> been through a separation I wasn't traveling too well and um, I, I, when I came back, I was, I was considering it. My oldest son, who was young then, I was living with me, and I was, you know, how I was trying to get my head around how I would live without him and and get back here, you know, four times a year, and and then uh, and then Noel Crow, the boss of Three Years Ed, I don't know whether he got, wind, yeah, he got wind of it. He was sort of knew what was going on, and. And in the end, he was sort of, I don't want this guy to go overseas. He's been ex-boys of country racing. So he just sort of said to Blackmore, how much do you want? You know, how long do you intend on going? I'll just give you the money mm. up front. And that sounds like a deal Troy would do. We'll lock this bloke away. So they did that. And then I was, um, you know, so then I owned the role fully. And I, and I was probably, even though the employers changed along the way, we went to Racing Victoria. Then we went to Racing.com. I've still um, maintained the role, you know. Good on you. Now, Rick, tell us a bit about the job. I've got, I've got two specific questions. I presume you get uh, days or weeks' notice about when you're going to call, but how hard is it when you get given the final fields? I'm not sure how far out from the race day the final fields are declared, but how much work goes into calling a card when you've got to presumably um, really understand numbers and colours and that. It, it, it does my head in how you, you get a feel and then you turn that into what we hear on our radio and our TV. So when the fields come out, um, 
our prep work is all about the tips for the websites and um, and probably um, being making you know watching the first starters jump outs and all those kind of things. So you're doing proper form um, to put the tips on the website, which is it should take a day of meeting, but um, I, I, I'm a half a day man. I'm sick of it by then. And, and a lot of it because you're calling the same horses. I'm not what, you know, I cheat a bit. You know, I don't watch the replay of a race I called last week or I might have watched the replay last week. Um, yeah, you know, like I don't watch everything. So I compact it into about half a day. So that's your notes, your tips. That's also, yep. You you know your your um your minds you know you're set you know who's in who's riding at the meeting who's training horses at the meeting who's um in form who's not and as well as your tips go in so that's the prep work and as I said half a day you can do that any time you want as long as you do it before the meeting and then race day is all about driving to the meeting or you know trimming your um you know maybe putting the finishing touches on your tips the morning um, when the scratchings come through and then it's all about driving to the meeting. The preparation to call a race, believe it or not, is about anywhere between five and eight minutes. Really? We don't start to learn the horses and the colours for that race until the jockeys are in the mounting yard in front of us. And we say them them to ourselves, Doran's boy... He's a good checks. one, that one. Um, Zoran's boys in the checks, and um, you know Shane Le- Shane's legends in the uh, in the yeah, um, see Shane's legends. Did you hear that, boys? He's, yeah, in exactly. the, he's in the red and white, like, um, and yeah, we we just say the horses' names to ourselves, put the names to the colours in a in a, in oh, a yeah. five to eight minute period because there's interruptions. You know, the phone r- rings or. Um, you've got to do a betting update or, or, or something. And, and also it gets – sometimes you you break that um, time up into a minute. So you go hard, go hard. Yep, I know them. Have a minute's break. They're going to the gates. You're looking through the binoculars. Just saying them again to yourself without looking at the books. So, yeah, I know them. Going through them. Soren's boy. Shane's legend. You know, doing them maybe a little bit quicker so you're getting up to race school mode. Little Troy's with the pony, um, there you, you know, what, whatever the case is, and going through them again. And then you'll stop and you're listening in your comms for the crosses and all that. And then right before the cross um, from, from .com, which is normally when about the first horse moves in, I try and say to myself again behind the gates a couple of times, yep, I know all these. It's the same setup whether there's four horses in the race or 20, and that that's the that's that's the old school old school away of um, learning them, and then once they uh, you know you call them in if you can that's a cheats way on um, when, when you're on dot com you know when uh, you know there goes Shane's legend walking up into the gates now you're you're putting the last little you're putting the last little note in your head that that's that horse right and then yeah. you know the starter says go and there's nowhere to hide you've got to know them all it's not like footy you can bullshit around or you can have the mate over your shoulder pointing to you on the on the guide as to which horse it is, uh, which player it is it's it's fair income live um there's a few tricks to get out of trouble and occasionally you might have to look at your book and as as a habit i hold the race book in my right hand for the whole of a race but um i've had so many people in the box say that is just amazing you know you never even looked at the book but it's like um it's like a uh um you know, it's it's like a security blanket just to have it there, you know. Yeah. And um, and I won't say that I've never used it because sometimes you do. You're fumbling for the book. What is that, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much the process. And then it's just as important after the race to forget them so that because your colours might be going around in the next race, you know. Yeah, you, yeah. See, you, you've got guys that are watching the races on a Saturday. Matt Hill's got a Godolphin. He's got two Godolphins in that race. One with the blue cap, one with the white cap, and he might have two in the next race. So it's just as important that after the race, as soon as you give correct weight, you've got to clear all that out of your mind. You've got to, whatever it takes to clear all that out of your mind so that when that next set of horses work, walk in the yard, you're ready to go again. 
Well, you might want to give that tip to Cole Hodges, mate, up in New South Wales, mate, because he's all over the place. Well, I'm, look, oh, oh, Cole, mate. Well, uh, look, in fairness, you cut to each Cole, other's lunch. In fairness to Cole, he, he should have retired. There's no no two ways about it. But but he's a legend <laughs> at his craft. He um he uh, yeah. I mean, uh, how old that old age is old age is caught up with him. You know, I mean, it does with anybody, and then. Unfortunately, he wasn't. A, he probably at the peak of his powers wasn't a great TAB caller anyway. He only got the opportunity to call TAB meetings because New South Wales is so big and they needed him in an area. And then he's outstayed his time. But um, he's a legend up there. I'd love yeah. to meet the guy. I mean, he's a legend up there. Oh, so I certainly go, won't you, be doing what he does at his age. So, I can so you, you don't get to go to Christmas parties together, mate? What's the brethren like amongst all you blokes? I mean... Cretendon and and you are you cutting each other's lunch to get the best calls on the weekend and all that sort of stuff. How's no, that all no, the the racing dot com team of, of Adam Owen, Credders and myself and 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 TB and Matt Hiller, um, were totally different people. Um, just uh, to, to to do the one profession, but we all get on pretty well. But there's only ever one race caller at a meeting most of the time, so you don't get any. Um, you don't get to work with each other or, or, or much. And, yeah, before COVID, if we got to have Christmas drinks, we were, you know, we couldn't, uh, you know, we, we certainly enjoy each other's company on that day. And Terry and I have had a way of a time calling that um, rapid racing, that twilight meeting at Flemington and they have in January. We've done it duly together. And it's the two of us going um, race to race. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah, no, in, in our show, we're a pretty, um, a, a pretty tight knit, um, in the job, you know, we all know our roles, and um, yeah, no, there's no, um, yeah, I'd, not to my knowledge, there's any, um, you know, I've got my cups that I do, and Credits has got his cups that he does, and Adamo and Terry have got theirs, and Matt Hill does the big stuff, and it just sort of all goes in. I don't think there's any uh, any dramas there. Now, Rick, you've got a, um, you, you seem to have a great passion for jumps racing, and, and you're synonymous with the bull and everything that comes with that, but. Tell us a bit about jumps racing because there's a fair bit of commentary around it, good, bad, and indifferent. Um, is is it is it genuine that you do have a passion for the jumps, and and what's your view on those that say it's it's it shouldn't be a part of of what we do, and you know all the do gooders their views on it. Um, I think most of the do gooders don't know what they're talking about. They're um, they're pretty ill informed. Yep. A bit like people with the whip rule, really. They've never been around horses. They've got no understanding of. Of um of the show to be on to be fair so you yeah. know it's very hard to respect their opinion, um the jumps racing well being an old harness racing person, um you know you just love the horses I mean when I was growing up, um you know people in harness racing you standard breeds we think that we we think that we got the best animal of the lot and that the thoroughbreds they think they're better but they got the weak animal you know yeah but then when you um when you turn the tally on the watch Warnable and and uh, Jim Hulan's got these horses running through the paddocks at Warnable and they're going 5,500 metres and jumping 33 fences. I went, yeah. It's a thoroughbred. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in awe of it. So, so I always had a love of that. And then uh, in, uh, the, in, in 2000, when I, I took on this role of, um, of um, you know, part-time Sunday calling with three years Ed. Um, I, I used to have to go to Cassidon and Coleraine as part of that gig. And to get to Cassidon, the live hedges was so amazing. And I got yeah. down there and were like, why, why, has, why haven't I ever heard of this? You know, like, yeah. um, it, it just amazed me. And uh, seeing the horses jump over these live hedges and, and um, you know, I, I got excited about it because I thought it deserved it. You know, like it was n- nobody in it. No one in any other part of Victoria knew that this this existed. So you must be disappointed that um, recently South Australia's pulled the plug on Oakback then. Oh, yeah, I think that's that's a trap. Yeah, crying shame and travesty of justice, and and I think that they should have kept these to Saturday and had a had a, just a hurdle on a steeple for forever and a day. But anyway, they've they've got other agendas and they've 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 gone on their way, you know. So that's um um. You know, this jumps racing here is probably going the best that's ever go, gone since I've been part of it. So I, you know, I mean, it's um, it's it struggled in my days. Like even in 
got got through to about 2005. And Mark Lucas was the chairman of Warnable, and she was saying to the boss of three, he said that she thought I was a young kid. That kid calling down at Custard, and we, we need him here at Warnable, you know. So that's how I got to Warnable, and then, um, you know, I mean, hull shut jumping down, you know, ten years ago in Victoria, we were we were at the yeah. crossroads and. A lot of people have worked very hard to improve the safety and uh, and improve the program and 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 compact this uh, compact it so it doesn't go forever for the season so it's enjoyable and it's you know try to be quality not quantity and and everything's improved the safety and the turnover and and the horse population is slowly and and they um yeah but anyway Oakbank have gone their their way and yeah they. I can't say it's uh, – it could be the death of it, but anyway. What about uh, at Warrnambool, mate? Which, is there a particular year um, that that really stands out for you that you really enjoyed? Oh, look, um, it's hard to say, to be honest. I mean, they sort of – they all blend into one until you think about it. They're all just magnificent carnivals, so it – Warnable has two chapters for me. The first one, I was number two to Greg. So they had two callers at Warnable. And I used to, um, uh, you know, I used to call them the uh, the, the average races, um, you know, the maidens and everything like that. And I didn't have to do any form. I just, I used to go out and squirt and get absolutely blind every night with the locals. They loved me. That's how they got to know me down there. And I would party like hell with them. And then I'm a mad push bike rider. So that was a sober up job was first thing the next morning on the bike. So I was drinking with the best drinkers and parties in the town. And I was riding me bike with all the Lance Armstrongs around Waterboard. It's a good bike riding who wanted to belt shit out of you on the bike. when you had a big night on the squirt. And um, get back and I could walk into the box you know, Greg was doing all the form and all the previews and I'd walk into the box that he caught of an hour before the first and, and just have to call five races for the day. And then it <laughs> then it'd all go again. Well, that was that was party that was party to go to Warner. So that was an amazing chapter, you know? It was work but it wasn't work. But then when they said um I was a bit more responsible in two thousand and twelve I was the ambassador of that carnival and jumps racing was was on its knees, so I took that pretty serious. And then uh, I think it was 2014, they said, this is your carnival. You are going to call this no one else. This is you. And uh, the the second chapter of that is pretty hard because, um, well, you've seen how hard I go at Warnable. The old voice is never going too good. So the last thing you want to do is get out talking to people and drinking. They're the worst things you can do as a race caller um, when you've got to call 10 races and they're all staying races and jumps races is drinking and talking. And and all the form you've got to do and all the media you've got to do and still try and get through 10 races without stuffing up. Um and then back it up the next day, and then and then the biggest day, Grand Annual Day. It's the third day, and 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 now Credit's comes down with me on the third day, and and does half the card and and the cup, and that's that's a huge help. But it's still a big carnival. I can't do much party until the last night. Normally on that RS, by the time I get to the the end of it, I'm uh, I don't last long anyway. But um, but yeah, it's uh, so there's two chapters in Warner. Well, the first one was great, and. And being that role to Greg, and the, and the second one's been great too because I, I, I relish the pressure and the responsibility and um, and the banter with the crowd. I think the crowd involvement at Warnable it's been lost in in that crowd involvement. It, it's special at Warnable. It's yep. the people help me, and I and I, and I like to think I help the people. So um, I take it seriously and um, really enjoy it. But it's. You know, on on the party side of it, not as fun as what it was when I was just, yeah. So, mate, let's just look forward a bit over the next kind of few weeks and months. Is there a particular race or horse or country cup that you'll particularly look forward to, say, between now and and the end of November? Look, I love over spring. I love getting to all the country cups that I that I do. 
Yeah. They're all unique. They've all got their own um, little bits of flavour, you know, from the Menangatang Cup, which is normally on Guinea's Day, to the Witchy Cup on Derby Day, to Benalla Cup, which is a grand final eve, was always a big day. I, I love my hometown cup at Bendigo. You know, little cups like Donald on a Sunday are good. You know, you, the Euroa Cup at Benalla, just, just a, you know, um, you know, pissy little um, $30,000 race on a Sunday with, you know, in non-COVID times, the families that get there and use the grass and, and they have the water slide and the kids come. And, yeah, I like every, I like all the cups I do. I, I really, to I, I guess if I had to, um, if I, if I had to pinpoint one, I guess it's my hometown cup, but, but I enjoy them all for the, for the uh, uniqueness of them and the differences, you know. So, Rick, with that, is there a particular race at any of the Cups or any race ever that you've called that you've just loved the most and you may have thought that that's the best call I've ever done? Uh, look, not really. I mean, you, you're really not big on listening back to them. And, um, you know, it's a, a race call is his harshest judge and we've never done a perfect call, you know, at least me, mm. you know. So it's, uh, you know, every grand annual, which is my favourite race at Warrnambool. I mean, every grand annual, I want it to be better than the last one. And it, it yeah. gets harder because you're raising the bar or you're trying to raise the bar year in, year out. Um, but, you know, the Bendigo Cup, um, the Willie Pike one for Moroni's, um, two years ago, what is it, top of the... I can't even think of the horse's name, but got up on the fence and won it late. Um, that was as good a Bendigo Cup as I've called. That was as close to a perfect cup as I've called. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was funny. Joel Thompson, the chairman of Racing Victoria, I'd never met him. And he, he walks in the box like, you know, <laughs> like a minute before the race, you know. I'm Giles Thompson. I was like, well, I knew who he was. He was the big boss. <laughs> nervously sort of shook his hand. And, and um, you know, I, I probably haven't been the most popular bloke to have as an employee because I've continued to do it my way throughout my career. You know, not, not, I've had to temper things a little bit. And not that I'm out there to be a rebel or anything like that, but, I mean, I've made my brand my own and I... Um, and I've tried hard to keep it at that and not be politically, um, you know, sent in a different way. I've tried to keep what I do and, and involve the crowd and, and um, you know, English slang that, you know, maybe hierarchy you think shouldn't be there and and probably being outspoken in, in other matters in racing like Darren Weir was a good mate of mine and he, he got disqualified. And, um, you know, I, I, I frankly gave me opinions in that, in any media, I did. And, and you know, he, he was the enemy to racing with Troy. So, you know, I probably did a few things that sort of, um, you know, at times I've been hard to, been difficult to manage. Um, so, yeah, it, it sort of, yeah, the pressure, pressure of that, he sort of walked in and I, and I had to call this race and that, but it was the Bendigo Cup and it, my hometown cup and it, it um, yeah, it came, it came out fantastic. And, uh, yeah, the wizard from the west up on the inside, I, I spotted it. It was getting up the inside late and I spotted it. Sometimes you can miss them until it's all over when they're, when they're coming through late. And, yeah, that was probably um, one of my close to perfect uh, country calls that I've done. So it was 2019 or 20 19. or whatever it was. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, every, every race, you, every one you do, you want to do a better job, you know. Now, now, Rick, I don't want to. I don't. You could not answer any of my questions. You know that. How would you have been if you were calling the field of four down there at the Mornington Airbnb, mate? The field of Malum, Carr, Brown, and Gordry. Yeah, no, no, I um, I I wouldn't have been there to call it under any circumstances. <laughs> I've read too many emails. I've been a wild boy in the past, but um, and haven't minded a party and that kind of thing, but. Uh, Look to be, uh, I'm probably at that stage of my career, and uh, there's another another one, yeah. <laughs> probably at that stage of my career where, um, 
So that's terrible to do that to the listeners. But anyway, we might. No, no, yeah, that, um, you're, you're probably answering my question, Rick. Don't, don't, yeah, don't look, do anything probably, silly. Um, we, you know, in my, in my position, the, living through COVID, the amount of um, education and emails I've had to read about COVID and and um, juggling everything around. No, I uh, I wouldn't have been at that Airbnb to call it. Um, I would have liked to have been there when I was 18 and maybe another capacity. <laughs> well, mate, we're, we're pretty sure you're well loved and respected by the people. Um, now, the Whalers Hotel at the Bull, there's something very special inside the hotel, which some listeners may not know. You have been immortalised, haven't you? Oh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, there is a bronze statue. There. What's a bronze statue? Well, I'm He's pretty sure there's not many of those around. He's a skinnier-looking version of me too, I might add. But, um, yeah, no, no, that's uh, – yeah, I, I did I did visit him since the carnival, believe it or not, and just had a little look and seen him in there. He's, you walk in the, <laughs> as in the entrance and it's a hallway and and they've got the, the Rick McIntosh um, – um, statue, it's sort of in the wall, you know, in a bit in the wall and, and glass yep. behind it and, and the plaque is up there and I yeah, sort of looked up to him for a bit of inspiration. He didn't give me much, but it was funny when the um, when they were when they were doing sports bet funded it and uh, when they uh, were doing it, yeah, they uh, they wheeled it out and I said to the and the bloke said to me, "Oh, what do you, as, a, as a sports bet funded most of it?" I said, "What What do you think?" And and I said, "It's pretty good." I said, um, "I'm I'm liking the uh, I'm liking the seventy five kilo version instead of the ninety five kilo version. pretty pretty skinny." And the bloke and the bloke next to me said, "So did my boss. That saved us twenty thousand dollars. You've been twenty kilos twenty kilos <laughs> That that cracked me up. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rick. We're gonna get. We're gonna play a game with you to finish up that Troy will um, run. But have you got anything that you really like that you're following yourself um, through spring that you can that you can hook us into? Even if it's if it's not for the main stuff, even if it's something for for some of the country stuff. Oh dear. Um, it could look, be a jockey, a, a jockey, a trainer, a, a horse. <laughs> I don't mind a futures bet during spring, and um, I've got to say, I'm Thunderstruck was very, very good to me on the weekend. I got him at a very nice price to win the two rack, and I'm on him to win the Golden Eagle at eleven dollars. So I think he's three fifty favourite. So I'm hoping he's got one more good run left in him. Um, I don't think the three fifties any spoils. Um, I thought incentivised was a good thing in the Caulfield Cup, but. Um, I think you could uh, you could do worse than have something each way on Delphi, particularly if he happened to draw a draw an alley. I reckon he's uh, I think he's going to be right in in the Caulfield Cup. Um, but yeah, no, I you know I haven't really got anything else that I'm um, you know um, can't wait to smash into. I mean, I'm just sort of. No different to anybody else, just taking it every week as it comes, pretty much. I'm heavily invested on Nature's Trip to win the Everest on Saturday. And um, and I've sort of banked a few savers around um, in futures betting around Eduardo and Guitra. So if any one of them won the Everest, I'd be, uh, I'd be pretty happy. But um, look, I, I haven't got anything that I could say to you. Um, be back in this horse wherever it goes next start. No, sorry. What, what about a, a trainer or a stable, Rick? Is there anyone you reckon that maybe someone we haven't heard of that those who like a speculative investment should keep an eye on? Uh, no, I think it's the time of year you want to stick around the big guys. I mean, I know Willow didn't have a great day on Saturday. Um, but no, I think it's this time of year you need to stick around the... Uh, um, the household names, you know, Oliver and Willow and Lane and and um, and Preble's obviously in incredible form. Um, and he, so, uh, I hope that's not me causing that. No, 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 just no, it's, just a recharge, Lauren, mate. Don't worry, we'll we'll at the production meeting, mate. We'll let him know about that too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, yeah, no, I don't think anyone's going to. Um, jump out of the woodwork. Daniel Moore probably has this season to a degree already. 
I'm a huge Harry Coffee fan. I'd yeah, I'd love him Good to get talk. an opportunity on a um, on a Grand Promenade or something in the Melbourne Cup, but um, you know, I've, I don't know whether Kieran Ma's the most loyal bloke in the world from what I'm seeing seeing looking from afar. So I don't don't know whether that's going to happen. Um, which is, you know, that's fair enough. He's got a business to run. So, um, yeah, I don't think anyone, um, I don't think anyone uh, too big is going to put their hand up. You're, you're probably the main days. You've got to stick around the main men, I think. Get in with text. Well, so now, Rick, I'm going to fire a word or two at you, and I just need you to repeat back the first word or group of words that come into your mind when I say what I say, okay? You'll, you'll love it. It'll come naturally. Um, here we go. Are you are you with me, Rick? Yes, Troy. <laughs> jo- j- jockeys. Uh, they're incredibly brave to do what uh, they do. Just, just a word or two, if you can, Rick, would be good. Um, <laughs> well, that odds was a on, word or two, wasn't it? Right, yeah, it was. You did well. <laughs> odds, on, odds on. Uh, look on when you're calling. <laughs> Uh, leaders or swoopers? Um, no, not fussy. <laughs> Win or each way? Each way is good. Uh, early quaddy? No. Heavy 10? Mudlark. Night racing? Um, yeah, great place to go. Have a good <laughs> Early morning training. Um, 6 a.m. at the res on the box. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the last one for me, racing up the straight. Hard to call. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Rick, uh, we're going to close this out now. You you are a bloody star, and I tell you what, I reckon I speak not on, only on behalf of the boys here, but on the, the punters and the wider industry. We love that you are you, and a couple of times there you were almost apologetic about who you are and how you do it. We love listening to you, and it makes you who you are, and anybody who's going to uh, – who hasn't yet, I'm sure will tune into racing.com and, and listen to you and watch you and hear you because you're a bloody star, mate, and the industry in Australia needs more people like you. So well done, buddy, and thanks for joining us. That's a good rap, Troy. I will come on again now you've said that. <laughs> <laughs> well hang, done, Rick. Superstar, hang, mate. Hang about, mate. Uh, we've loved having you on. Now, this section is Tweeters of the Week, but, mate, what about that session with the trickster? How good was that? He's a superstar. He is just fantastic. You don't need to give him many questions, do you? He just goes and goes and goes and goes. He's the best. Mate, he's great. If, he, if people could see what we could see as we were talking to him, we, we could be sitting there for weeks still talking to the trickster. He was gold. And we will Mate. take him up on his offer. Can't oh, yeah. remember if he did it on air or off air, but we'll be taking him yeah. up on a few things, actually. Uh, since we're, we're, we're in the tweeter section and, and you've got to use all sorts of um, – um, different spelling and language when you're when you're on the on the Twitter, as you know, he, that's definitely a BFF, mate. Um, with old Tricky, oh yeah, 100%. we're in, we're in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he even used the FOMO, I think, um, during <laughs> during part of that, which I thought was magnificent. And unfortunately, our, our, another good friend of the program, Dakes, would have been. He, he, actually, Tricky's put him to put him to shame. Um, oh, with because, his IT skills, oh, mate. It's just one eight hundred tricky now. If there's, a, <laughs> if there's an issue, mate, that's 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 who you call, mate. Um, he was all over a chain. Well, we'll give Dakes Rick's number, and then if Dakes has trouble, he just rings Rick. Done. Yeah, <laughs> Solution. Done. Has Dakes got a Twitter handle yet, mate? Because well, we, if you want I to get involved so. in this segment, where do you go? You go to at the coach and Dax. Now we it is a bit of a punting theme, so um, I, I did want to talk about some of our more. Uh, our keen punting followers amongst our, our tweeters, mate. And no one more um, um, omnipresent in this in this area, text, than um, 
um, Enio from from um, cell, block. Cell, cell Block D. What, what, what? <laughs> Hang on, I've got to get adventurous on because I don't know where you're going. What What's he done? I don't know, mate. Um, oh. There there might be some problems with the local bank down there at um, <laughs> Caroline Springs. <laughs> I'm doing what Kepler Vessels and Graham Wood used to do. I'm shouldering arms to that. I'm letting oh, it go. I thought it was a dead bat. Uh, <laughs> well, there's him. I let me tell you, the beanbag, he's been um, betting with absolute fury. So I know he wants to take you on head-to-head, Tex. He, he was um, impressed with your Montefilia tip, which um, that, along with the Penrith uh, Correct. Melbourne you, double, yeah. I was thinking of you there as um, the Storm made uh, – not the Storm, um, St. George made and uh, the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs. Uh, yeah. You're all over so I'll get there Got eventually. There. Got yeah. there. Um, we're making a big late charge. Now, I, it's, I think it's up to our tweeters eventually, but I reckon I've paid my penance and you used to mock me for my tips I used to give. But I've gone Melbourne, Petrarca, Melbourne, Penrith, double, Montefilia. There's a bit of momentum building here. Oh, you went out on a limb, didn't you, Shane, with the Melbourne, Petrarca, double? Did. Oh, it well, did. you shit-canned me for, for Montefilia and it won no, my panel. No, we didn't shit-can you. It won by panels, mate. It was no, never in doubt. We panels, didn't actually didn't get a chance to respond. You just wanted to keep telling us about it. And I'll keep telling you about it too once it's saluted and it'll salute again. Just watch it on the weekend. So you reckon it'll win the Melbourne, uh, the Caulfield Cup? No, I think Incentivise will win the Caulfield Cup, but I think Montefilia oh. will run in the top three. So uh, have a little have a little play around some exactors with Incentivise, You mean some exotics? No, I mean exactors. Okay. First second in any order. No, 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 Shane. Exactors, not, not Cornellas, not... Exotics. All right, first and second. Smart people listen. Exactors, Montefilia, Incentivize, and Young Verta. I think those three could run in the first two in any order. So, yeah, that's my tip of the week. But if, yeah, but Exactor means you pick the first horse straight out, mate. Yeah, but you can box an Exactor. So you can pick 10 horses if you want and yeah. box them up to run first and second. But what's first and second known as? What's first and second known as? Quinella, isn't it, Tex? Yeah. Uh, my goodness me, I feel like I'm a teacher. <laughs> a, a Quinella is first and second in, where, in... Where's Mr Beanbag? In any order, and an exactor is first we know. and second in order. Come on. Well, Shane, if you can't wait because you're a little bit worried, then have a bit of a go tomorrow at uh, race two, Coffee. number three. Yeah, Floating Artist, which is a dollar ninety, but you'll build a bank for Saturday. That's going around in the Ned's Coongee Cup over 2000. Is that the sister of um, your favourite horse, Bullshit Artist? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I put my five bucks on it, I'll get nine back. Hey, better than bank interest, Shane. True. Uh, is that your special that you're running with tonight, Tex? What? Floating artist? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. No, because no, by the time this goes to air, you may not have it up because I know there's a bit, the, the work experience kids negotiating his EBA with you. <laughs> so I, no, let's wait till Saturday and, um, uh, a great day's racing Saturday, as it was on the weekend. But what if you took Zaki? Mm. Ooh, ouch. Dollar twenty-two, and you're left holding your rackets. Yeah. Um, that was a shame, isn't it? So can it bounce back? Yeah. Mm. Can very yeah. elegant bounce back? I'm not sure if they will. Won't win a horse. Won't win a race in the spring. Very elegant. He's been steadfast on that. <laughs> He's been one fast on that. Will not win a big race this spring, very elegant. It won two weeks ago, three weeks ago, mate. No, I mean, as we go into the spring carnival, which I, in my mind, started on Saturday. Oh, so it's your classification here. Yeah, won't, yeah. won't win going Saturday. forward. Lay oh, okay. It, Lay it sounds like a school lesson. You need to teach him which months of the year actually comprise spring, Shane. Yes. And last time I checked, September and October one. also include are included in spring tax. Correct. Hey, um, what about Two Plank Mike? I know he texts me. Yes, on, he does. He he yeah. texts me on Saturday. He likes a speculative investment, and he went all in on that Cat Sosi Bond again, despite my advice. Oh, no. So, now, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. One of the things with the male hug, um, um, I guess Talktober Fest that they're um that they're going on about. They, if you follow them on Twitter, they they actually give you a question that you can run with when you ring. 
when you ring one of your mates, when you, you, you do a, a call every day type thing, right? And so one of the questions was, uh, ask the person, what would you do if you won a million dollars? Um, and I was just thinking, Tex, I'm not sure there's a TAB that deals in that sort of <laughs> currency, mate. That's why I didn't ring you on that day with that question. What would you do with a text? What would you do with it? If I had a million? If you won a million, Saturday night, Tesla, you won a million, what would you do? Um, Double up, mate. I No, no. What's no. the multi? I'd, I'd, I'd ring you too, and I'd, I'd, I'd give you 100000 each to play with, and I'd keep the other 800 for me, and I'd probably... <laughs> I'm not Would, sure wouldn't what tell the cheese and kisses. Oh yeah, no, no. I'd, yeah, mm. I'd, I'd tell her I won five hundred. Moral dilemma. No, I don't. Dollars. No, I don't. She'd be listening. Um, no, she actually, won't. Not sure. actually, she won't. The I'm not sure. Listen. I'm not sure what I'd do with a million. All right, I'd split yeah. it. Split it with the kids. Yeah, of course, that's a given. Splitting it with a family, but I don't know what you'd actually do with it. It's a lot of money. So now we are we are going to have a, a mini sabbatical before we finish up the year with our our, our favourite one, Shane. You know what it is, mate. It's the one where you dress up as Santa and we come at the Christmas party at your place. We may actually be able to, fingers crossed, be able to finish the year off being all together again um, when we when we do our last episode of the year. But um, is there one tip you want to leave anyone with, Tex, between now and when we come back in December? Um, yeah, there is, but you've caught me off guard. There's a, oh. I'll, t- I'll tweet the it out. Sheet, mate. I had it in there, mate. No, no, there's a, I'll tweet it out. In the there's run a, sheet, other dribble. That's there's, the... there's a Japanese horse. It's got a Japanese name. It'll, it'll win some races. Um, been running in Sydney. Uh, it had, it did run in Sydney. Yeah. Kus, K-U. That's the one. Something. Two letters in the next one. That's next the one. Word. Yeah. yeah, watch for the Japanese names horses. Uh, it'll it'll do something. It's not here for shits and giggles. Well, all I say, mate, is um, the the um, if the trickster was here, he, he'd have a special, and I think it's it, it could be running around um, in Bendigo on on the weekend. Well, we we're not we're not talking about that, mate. No, we're, we're not, mate. We're, we don't want. We don't want. Odds, we don't though, want. One odds he likes. Yeah. It's a European horse, Caulfield Cup, second favourite, Delphi. One on the weekend for us. Yeah, he did. He, he did. He did talk about that, didn't he? Um, yeah. uh, he likes Montefilia too. He did mention that text. Well, mate, well, I can't uh, give much more than point you in the right direction. You can take a, a horse <laughs> to water, but you can't make it Renee Kink. No, Sorry. well, that's that's good, mate. That's a really nice way to finish up with. All right, lads. Lovely catching up again as usual, and um, we'll see you for our Christmas bonanza um, in 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 a few weeks' time.